this thing. Hey, we've started. So, anything going on? Yeah, usual stuff. A uh, new episode of Letter Kenny dropped yesterday. Oh, yeah. And I'm Picard like two, season two. I'm like two seasons uh, behind. I have not watched any Picard. Um, uh, I only recently got Paramount Plus, though, so. I quite liked Picard. I thought it was, uh, of the new Star Trek stuff they've made, I've liked it best. Hmm. The cartoon they made is pretty funny, too. The uh, Lower Decks. The Lower Decks, yeah. I guess there's another cartoon. Prodigy, maybe? Uh, uh, that's cartoon? the one. Oh, it's in real life? Oh, no. I'm sorry. New Worlds is the new live action one. Sorry. Oh, right. Yeah. Or Brave New Worlds or Strange New Worlds. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not much up on the treks. So. Listen, if we can have 1,800 Star Wars shows, we got to milk that uh, Star Trek franchise for every drop we can suck on out of there. Hmm. They've been milking that one for a while. Yeah. A whole Although, lot more. That I mean, Obi-Wan trailer looks pretty fucking good. I saw the dropped. I have not watched it yet. Uh, I've also said that for every trailer they've put out for everything they've created, and they mm. have all been mediocre at best. Mm. Well, I mean, it, I think it helps that Star Trek is objectively better than Star Wars. So... <laughs> I cannot co-sign that. <laughs> I, I cannot co-sign that. I have seen all the Star Trek movies. Mm-hmm. I it. do not think I have seen Star Trek 1. The motion picture? The motion picture. I do not believe I have seen it. It's all right. I think I saw that in theaters. Dude, Tony, come on. Well, I mean, that... There weren't nearly as many movies coming out in any at any one time then, even even as there is now. I saw some trailer before Batman that was like uh, something like "Finally, the heroes we need," as though like superheroes are such a rare concept that uh, it's such a novel, groundbreaking thing to have superhero like literally not everything. Mm. Right. So I, I will probably still see Super Pets in the theater because that actually looks kind of funny. <sighs> it does look funny. I mean, I'm still on board for any superhero thing they do, no matter how bad it is. Like, I would not have seen Batman if Tony didn't say it was good and I should see it. There was a... And and it... I think Mitch, maybe you even posted it. Was it the the Dr. Manhattan... Oh, Yeah. The the variety of like I've I've watched Batman in in 1989. I watched Batman in 2005. <laughs> Ten years older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, watching a darker, grittier Batman. Like literally, I watched like the timeline <laughs> that they posted was exactly ten years. Like I was ten mm-hmm. years older than whoever that was posting it because it was like, yeah, that's me. And I watched them all on opening night. <laughs> yeah, I remember as a. I don't know exactly why the revival happened, but they they were rerunning like the Adam West Batman shows, mm. like in, in marathon form, regular. And as a child, I was like a hundred percent in for all of those episodes. 
I don't know if this was in the lead up to Tim Burton's Batman or around it afterwards to like capitalize on Batman joy. Yeah, I when I was that. when I was very young, like one of my earliest memories of television was that television show. Like I don't remember what time of day it was, but it was some kind of daytime rerun slot when I was very young like before I was going to school. Like I remember watching that show like in a rerun kind of thing and just you know, as like a four-year-old, I loved it. What's funny was this: I've gone back to that show, and there's some, there's some pretty funny shit that goes on in that show. That's that's very counterculture, <laughs> and like I love the running gag. Like I didn't catch it when I was a child, but as an adult, I I figured out that uh, that Batman would say, "You know, Robin," and like would let Robin just spout out this crazy theory about exactly what's going on. And Batman would go, you're absolutely right. Like he would never say anything. He would never come up with his own idea. He'd let Robin come up with all the crazy ideas and would be like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I showed a couple episodes to my children. Oh, we watched um, uh, one of the Joker episodes because mm. I, I want them to see every iteration of the Joker that we've done. Uh, so we and the mustache. Uh huh. Yep. You can With see Cesar Romero's mustache through the makeup. Mm-hmm. But they were into it. They're like, "Wow!" They they weren't expecting much. But they but they liked what they saw because it is it's funny. It's fun. Funny mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's jump into this. Hey, this is Tony. Hey, it's Mitch. And this is David. And we are the Backseat Producers. And tonight we're talking about the power of the dog. (sighs) Mitch, what did you think? I didn't hate it. I mean, this is a a long, quiet movie where most of the drama was happening inside the characters' heads. But, like, I'm a psych guy. I was kind of there for that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, and then, oh. David. This movie took me two attempts to get through because I was watching it last week when you said, let's not record. And then I was like, oop, pause, close browser. And I was like, this will be homework I have to do next week. (laughs) That's the review. Yep. I almost stopped watching the movie with about 20 minutes to go because like I didn't. I didn't know if I was paying enough attention to see where anything was going. Mm-hmm. And then I finished watching the movie. Uh-huh. And that'll and be my it, high level review. And then it ends. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not enjoy watching the movie, but I'm not, <laughs> I'm but not enjoy mad. Cumberbatch's dick. I'm not mad that I finished watching the movie. Like I enjoyed I enjoyed unpacking it after it was over. Like, I, I think I will enjoy this conversation more than I enjoyed the movie, like watching the movie. Uh, Cause I did start it at one point and like, I was having a bad day. The day I started watching it, I was having a bad day and I got about 15 minutes in and I was like, this is not making my day better. Like this is, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but people are not happy. And Benedict 
Cumberbatch is being a real asshole, mm-hmm. like right from the jump. And I, and I just had that. There was just a sense of creeping dread about the whole thing. That's like things are not going to get better. Mm-hmm. And so I just tapped out. Like I'm like I I was not in the right mindset. And I knew it, and I stopped watching. And I'm really glad I did not finish watching it that day. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, I think I agree with that. Like it was, it was work to watch. Like it was not an easy movie. Like it, it doesn't like aim just to entertain you or anything no. like that. Like, and it did it not. Work. It succeeded in not entertaining me. <laughs> uh-huh. It no, felt like sold, reading a book. I, yeah. I was I, I was sold a cowboy movie, mm. but I don't know why. But it was not that. I was sold a cowboy movie because I saw Sam Elliott's critique that this was a bad cowboy movie, but or it's a bad western. But it's not a western. It's not. So it Which would is be a bad would... western. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, In the same a... way that it is a bad rap music video. One hundred percent. And see, my dad is a big western guy. Like he will watch. If there's a Western label on it, he will watch it. And so I flat out told him, I said, I don't know, man. I, if you think this is a Western, I don't, I, I would not, I don't think you should watch this one. I don't think it's, I don't think it's your. Are you implying that your dad is Sam Elliott? I mean, kind of. I've never seen your dad with that mustache. I'm not saying he can't have it. Not that mustache. No, but never seen it. But have you ever seen him and Sam Elliott in the room at the same time? I haven't. Nope. Admittedly, I have not. So. Still so, Yeah, undetermined. <laughs> 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 All right, well, I guess let's just fuck this pig. <laughs> I did this... not know Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst were married in real life. I did not know that I either. Did. I've just now learned this. Yep. That's uh, something new that this movie has brought me was learning that. <laughs> and what a what a way to see Kirsten Dunst. Like in my head she's still the child from Inner the Vampire. Uh that's still her best role. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if I agree with that. I thought she was great in I thought she was great in god damn something. Spider Man. I was not gonna say Spider Man. Uh, as you know, if I'm gonna compare those four movies, Interview with the Vampire and the three Spider Man movies that she was in, uh-huh. Interview with the Vampire still is gonna be her best role. Uh I think she was great in Fargo. Okay. This the series? Yes. Yeah, she was. Also with Jesse. Also with Jesse Plemons. Yep. yep. Right. Fargo, the material brings out good in actors. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is it, exceptionally well written. It really does. I don't think that this movie was exceptionally well written for a movie. I don't know that Kirsten Dunst has had stellar material to work with. Uh, Eternal Sunshine is the movie I'm thinking of. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that movie well. I feel like that is a com- I feel like that is a solid joke, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe one day you'll rediscover it. Maybe. <laughs> because it was meant to be. Only to forget it again. 
That's a, with that movie. I feel like it's a it's a sad ending, not a happy ending. No, I love it. Eternal <laughs> Sunshine. Uh huh. Well, I mean, they get back together. I know because they f- forgot all the bad things. I know. And it's just gonna okay. Right. Yeah. Welcome to the cycle of human relationships. <laughs> oh, bring it on with fantastic Sarah. Sarah nailed it. That's right. I wish. Uh, all right, let's let's actually talk about this movie. Okay, so let's let's go through our normal cadre of discussion topics. Okay, this movie um, was a character study, which you know I hate. I have to know they're a character study going in for me to better <laughs> appreciate them. But uh, fluff yourself for the uh, for the action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the action that never happened. Uh that's not true. He castrates a bull. Oh well, that was a pretty intense scene. Probably for the bull. Probably. Uh, what do we think of the performances of these main characters? Let's start with BC. I thought his performance was fantastic. Got his dick. Yes. Uh huh. Yep. The best part of the movie. Got it. I mean, seeing him make love to a handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, you know, it awoken something to me. Handkerchiefs might be my new thing. And then just slathering himself in mud. Mm-hmm. As you do. As you do. Yeah, because there's this sort of like bit of the, like, I think the two things to me that stood out from him is there's this bit when Kirsten Dunst shows up in his house. Uh huh. And he sells his contempt so well. To me, like I, I believed why she was scared of him uh-huh. because of the the look in his eye and the way he moved around her. Uh huh. And then, sort of later in the movie, there's a moment where he like sees his step nephew getting harassed, and it like like he like turns a corner with it, like it like melts his heart a little bit. And I also sort of bought that softening, like in that moment. Um, which were both weird because like, I don't think he's a scary dude and everything in his character up until then. like, I, I didn't see him like coming around on things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It feels like that transition was pretty damn quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are we thinking that this is going to be his, uh, Oscar win? Cause he didn't win for, uh, the imitation game. Did he? Uh, Ooh, not imitation oh. game. Is that the name of the movie? It is. Yeah. yeah. He didn't win for that, did he? I don't think he did. I don't believe so. If only there was an internet full of information to look up such things. Yeah. So I walked away to get allergy medication because my allergies are just. He's been nominated oh, right. for two Oscars, but has yet to win one. Yeah, it was the imitation game and this. Uh, well, and is, is Kirsten Dunst nominated for this? Is she? This feels like I'm, a big Oscar bait movie. So uh-huh. I'm I'm currently looking up his other awards that he has won or been nominated for. He's been winning for this, uh, yeah. for this I'm specifically. Sure he's got a- I'm sure he's got a bunch of BAFTAs in there too. He, I don't know when the BAFTAs are, but he did not win for this. But oh, I just bet they may general. not have done. Well, 
Uh, he's got a bunch of nominations. He's only won a single BAFTA for television for something called Patrick Melrose. I'm not familiar with. Wow, uh, nothing for Sherlock. No, no wins. A lot of nominations. Oh. Uh, he's he was nominated three times for for Sherlock, um, best actor, best and then best leading actor twice. Um, he was nominated for Imitation Game, The Hollow Crown. He won for Patrick Melrose. Uh, he won the AACTA for this. Um, he won the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, uh, Atlantic Film Critics Circle. Show that BC dick. Um, let's see. The Boston Online Film Critics Association. These are made up things now. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, everything's made up, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago Film Critics Association Awards. The Columbus Film Critics Association. Yeah, so like he's he's winning a lot of uh, like festival circuit type Shit. awards for for this movie in particular. And he, I think he's up against uh, Andrew Garfield from Tick Tick Boom, Javier Bardem from uh-huh. Being the Ricardos, and Denzel Washington from The Tragedy of Macbeth, and Will Smith and King Richard. Mm. I have not seen any of those other movies, so right. Yes. I have not either. Although Tick, Tick, Boom has tempted me on Netflix, so it be coming up in my list. But yeah, I thought his performance was great in Power of the Dog and sold it. I thought all the performances were great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think Jesse Plemons had much to do other than look uncomfortable. Yeah, he, you're <laughs> right. He There wasn't much for him to do. But he's really good at looking except, uncomfortable. Except, except uh, not jump... Jump out and choke out Benedict Cumberbatch when he called him Fatso, <laughs> which he did a lot. Yeah, he called him that a lot. Yeah, I want to like we don't get and as backstory. a large man. I I had problems with Jesse Plemons not choking him out for saying it at least one of the times. <laughs> well, and that was the thing that made me wonder because we don't get like a backstory. It's clear they are as brothers are drifting apart, mm-hmm. and. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch wants to repair it a little bit. Like he's suggesting they go on this camping trip, like to like bond, but he's still also calling him fatso and everything. And it sort of made me think that maybe he's just trying to get him to respond at all to him. Right. Because they are so, I don't know, almost dead to each other that even if he was mad at him, that we better than being ignored. It almost feels like, uh, like, like you just get the sense that, Benedict Cumberbatch was like foisted on Jesse Plemons character. Like you have to watch him now because he's your brother. You, you, you have to take care of him. Like it, it felt like it was a, an obligation, which is why he just put up with the nonsense. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but that's just kind of the, the vibe that I got. Was it the other way around though? Was it? I don't know. (laughs) Well, cause I thought, uh, Philip has been a Cumberbatch character. I thought he went away. He like he graduated from Yale in classics, and then mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons' character had dropped out of college, and then that's when they met up with uh, what's his face Bronco Henry. Bronco Henry. But but I feel like there was there's something else that happened at mm. at Yale mm-hmm. that made him leave. Like and which I mean really I think is is 
like spirals toward the the end of the movie. Like any conversation is going to be ended up being about the last ten minutes of the movie. Is it? I think it all leads towards that because it's okay. a character study until it stops being until it until there is actually a plot in the last ten minutes. Mm. All right, sure. I mean, that's at least that's that that's my my hot take on it. Yeah, I was trying to think of what else I would say that doesn't include the last ten minutes, and came up with a big fat nothing. Yeah, I mean, last ten minutes. There's all there's all <laughs> the character building stuff, and then. Uh-huh. And then we have to uh, we have a reason for all that character to be built. Mm-hmm. Did we? I don't know. Did we? It feels like there was a mystery at the end that was not super interesting. The mystery of what? Without spoiling it, I don't want to. Oh, let's just get to this fucking spoil. It's impossible to talk about this movie without the spoilers. Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Who spoiler. killed Benedict Cumberbatch? The kid. Yeah, I think that one's. I don't. I don't think there was a mystery there. Is there? Is it? Yeah. What do you, mean? you don't ever he, see him do it. Oh yeah, right. he rode off and he carved off anthrax hide from that dead cow he found, and so he gave him anthrax tainted hide to make the rope. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Everything this guy is saying right now is is exactly what happened. Oh. <laughs> That's. Why he's, he go, rides out alone to get the cow, and then also like he's wearing gloves later when he handles the mm-hmm. rope because he knows yep. that it's yeah. Oh. And they mentioned that he died of anthrax. I uh, I but do he was feel... so careful. But he was so careful when he he never handled diseased meat. Like <laughs> I do feel like I stopped watching at a point after the first thing happened, completely forgot it happened, and then started watching after that point. That mm. could be. Oh, okay. Well, now I have uh, no no mystery mystery and nothing to talk about at the end of the movie. The only thing I thought might be a mystery at the end is um, um, Nephew's dad died by presumed suicide. Uh Mm Uh-huh. But this kid just killed Benedict Cumberbatch to protect his mom. Did he kill his dad, too? Like he was hung, we saw the the escape rope that had been cut, which presumably was the device for hanging. He talked about how his dad was afraid that he was too strong, but I think meaning too unkind. Mm-hmm. Like, is this kid just a psychopath? Did he did he kill his dad? I don't know. I, maybe, but I was under the impression that he was kind of building up that psychopath like mm-hmm. pre-serial killer like this felt like this was the the kid's first kill mm-hmm. like like that's the sense i got because like we saw him with the animals mm-hmm. he butchered the rabbit and like there was all the the sort of drama around that yeah if you're gonna do that just don't do it in the house <laughs> right and then he snaps that bunny's neck without any like hesitation which right. seemed to impress benedict cumberbatch yeah Hmm. Uh, and I get the sense that like Benedict Cumberbatch probably left Yale because it was discovered he was gay. Uh-huh. And And then he died. And what does that say about the gays, Tony? That that somebody was killing the gays. And it was the nephew. <laughs> you know, your version of the movie sounds a lot less interesting than mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> but think about it. At the end but of the also, movie, but also the kid did it because, uh, I mean, I I think there's there's a lot that you could unpack with that. Did he do it because he was fighting against his own nature of his homosexuality, or was it just because he was a psychopath? I think it was to protect his mommy. She was scared and and was turned into an alcoholic because of his his new step uncle. I feel like she was an alcoholic before. Well, that's what Benedict Cumberbatch said. Yeah, the kid's like, no, she never drank before. And like, did she? Yeah. But I think in his mind that she only started once she was afraid of him. Sure, but she was awfully good at hiding booze around the place. That was yeah. a practiced hand. Mm-hmm. That stuff he does with the banjo is fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he learned how to play the banjo for this. Hmm. You're welcome. Yeah, I like I I had gotten the impression from when the governor was bragging that Phil was the one who like finished college. And it was uh-huh. Georgie who dropped out because Phil was teasing him about it in the beginning, right? Like, you know, he says something like, you can't get through college. And the only way we made it is because of Buckaroo, no, Bronco Henry <laughs> <laughs> teaching us ranching 25 years ago. But I, like, I wonder, like, I wonder, like, you're right. Like, did he get kicked out? Was there this, this sort of thing? But like, George definitely didn't make it. No, there was nothing compelling about, compelling about Jesse Plemons right. as a character. He was a sad sack. He was. And didn't do, like, anything throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. I'm also not 100% certain why it's called The Power of the Dog. There's that, is that a, it's a quote, right? It's a Bible quote? Yeah. Yeah, because they quoted it at the end, or toward the end. Okay, so, one of the trivia items on this is that the woman who directed this... Uh, Jane Campion? Yes, her read the book, like she was thinking about not directing anything anymore, read the book, and then it's like, I have to make this movie. What do you think was the compelling thing about this movie, that book that made her want to make this movie? Because I can't think of anything in this movie that is so compelling that I'm like, Mm. well, I'd rather not retire and do this than retire. I don't know. Maybe like... I mean, because like... Like, Benedict Cumberbatch does a great job being a compelling character, but it's still not super compelling. I can't imagine it's, like, so wildly outrageous in a book that it's like, well, I want to make a major life decision based on this thing here. You know what I mean? Maybe she likes the idea of the the kid being tougher than he looks. I don't don't think that's it. Yeah. Uh, Because the, the movie focuses... The style of the movie focuses too much on Benedict Cumberbatch for it to be really about the kid. Mm-hmm. And I largely didn't like him. Like, he gets so mad that he beats up a horse. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't like this guy. Yeah. There's a there's a trivia point on IMDb. Uh, let me see if I can find it back. Just because it's worth reading exactly the way it was here at the start of filming jane campion introduced benedict cumberbatch to the cast and crew by saying this is phil you're going to be working with him benedict is really nice but you're not going to meet him until the end of the shoot (laughs) yeah phil was just an asshole just Mm -hmm. and mostly just like an attitude right like Mm -hmm. he's not super strong he's not like I guess he is violent, but not toward other people, really. 
right? He's mean. It's also, also oh, go ahead. Benedict Cumberbatch is a really thin dude, mm-hmm. and so like when he's walking around doing ranching shit, I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, "This is an insubstantial individual. How is he doing this shit?" <laughs> Like, you can just look at this dude and be like, this dude has never done manual labor in his fucking life. He's so just delicate looking. Because he's, because he's so long, he just uses leverage for everything. <laughs> it's just everything is a pivot point. He's just mm. so dainty looking. <laughs> just every, every joint is a fulcrum. So it's just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other thing to me at first, it was like, why is everybody just snapping to when this guy says so? And I realized that it was just because he was consistent with his attitude. At no point did he ever falter with having that attitude of don't question me, do what I say, you're you're all idiots. Well, I thought he was like the boss. He's also the money. He is, but there were other people around him that treated him that way also, like that weren't that weren't directly working for him. Mm-hmm. Like that handkerchief. Wow, <laughs> handkerchief. The handkerchief was his was his equal. I mean, it was working for me. That was the like American Beauty bag scene of twenty mm-hmm. of the twenty twenties. <laughs> mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah, but it's garbage. The. <laughs> He didn't see a dog in the hill. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I think it means nothing. I think it it just sort of like cemented this idea for Phil that he was going to be the, he was going to be the Bronco Henry to his nephew. Like I, I felt like that was the relationship he was trying to foster by the end. Sure. Find yourself some young kid. You're both really thin. <laughs> Well, because he had so, mentioned that, like, being reminded of himself with looking at this kid. Like, he's like, you know who else didn't know how to ride before Bronco Henry taught him? Something like that. Yeah, Bronco Henry, Henry taught him, all right. Mm-hmm. That means right. gay stuff. Okay, so I looked up on Google, Power of the Dog Review, and then Google gives a list of things that people have also asked about this movie. I think it might be fun to go through this list of questions. First question. What is the point of the power (laughs) of the dog? Solid question. I'm glad I I asked it. Here's the thing. I'm not going to click through to read any of the answers. We're just going to answer, answer these questions. I just like the questions. Yeah. Yeah. All right. uh, What is the point? What is the point of the power of the dog? commentary on the meaninglessness of existence that you can spend an entire two hour movie in a character study of a single person but at the end they will die with no fanfare whatsoever and life goes on Mm. oh I like that answer Uh, next question is the power of the dog worth watching maybe once I think yeah all right I think think so I vote I on that yeah, and now that you know that you're going into a character study, right? Like you're not watching a western. It's a, no. it's maybe an anti-western. Like, yeah, I'm very certain Sam Elliott did not watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, third question: Is Power of the Dog boring? 
Yes. Mm. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. It's kind of like Brokeback Mountain, only mm. it's after the one guy dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And 25 years later, and the other guy just got really bitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I think the the writers of Brokeback Mountain list this as, as part of their inspiration. Really? Really? Yeah, that I think this book sense. was from like the 60s. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, this one was. Oh, um, all right. All right. Uh, was Phil murdered in The Power of the Dog? Apparently, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next question. Did Phil sleep with Peter in Power of the Dog? Mm. I'm going to say not yet. Yeah, I think it's a big not yet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. We He's were on a trajectory. Right. He's going to take him back to that grotto. Uh-huh. Uh, Introduce him to that handkerchief. How, <laughs> did Phil, how did Phil get anthrax? We did that one, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we already talked about that. Uh, I'm going to skip the next one because it's, it's, is the power of the dog worth watching Reddit? <laughs> uh, ooh. Did they hurt the horse in Power of the Dog. That's a good question. You is need that, to click through and get the answer. I think for that I one. think I do need to click through that one <laughs> because uh, I bet the answer is no. Right. Update on February eighth, Cum- Cumberbatch told the New York Times that while he did learn to ride and to castrate a bull, mm-hmm. he did not actually hit the horse in that scene. Good answer, BC. Uh, is Power of the Dog a true story? What? That's a negative. Uh, is Peter a psychopath in Power of the Dog? <laughs> Maybe. I think so. Well, I think so. I, he cares is about he, his mommy. Is he, though? Like, because the animal stuff, he was also in school for doctoring. Mm-hmm. And it was a, like, different time on the ranch. So you gotta get your corpses where you can find them. Well, and, like... like it wasn't mutilation. It was dissection. Yeah. And like, you know. Oh, yeah. When you live on a ranch like that, you have a different relationship to animals. Than, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she like, didn't. I she know. wasn't freaked out at all that he, he killed the rabbit. It was just like, just don't do it in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, I don't know what the difference between killing that rabbit and then killing the cows out in the pasture. Like, right. Is like functionally what what is the, the real difference here? When it comes I think right the only thing it. was, was that the the girl was like treating it like a pet, but there's, I mean, that happens where people raise animals for slaughter and somebody in the family starts treating it like a pet. And then it's bad news for that person who was treating that animal like a pet. And then that's some sad bacon. Yep. I think like at best, right. He's traumatized, right. Cause he found his dead father, right. Like he discovered that body. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe he's a psychopath. I don't know that there's great evidence for it here, right? Like, we don't see other behaviors that seem to me, like, completely cold. Like, he murdered this guy for a reason, to protect his mom, mm-hmm. right? But why is he keeping the the rope? Oh, I think bec- to avoid suspicion, right? Like, it was super important. I think it's, oh, I think that was an interesting thing too. Like Phil definitely knew he was going to die. Like he put on, he knew he had anthrax. He put on his funeral suit mm-hmm. to go into town and it was super important to him to give the rope to the kid before. So I think the kid has to like keep the rope or everyone will know that he was anti-Phil or, or something, right? Like it was a super sentimental thing, mm-hmm. but you think like maybe this is also keeping it as a trophy, 
Maybe. I mean, I think there's a potential of it there. And then this kid grew up to be Ted Cruz, the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> oh, I knew it. <laughs> so this is actually the the second wow. movie in the trilogy. Yeah. Uh-huh. The first is Brokeback Mountain. Right. Uh-huh. Then, then this. Then, and then Zodiac. Zodiac. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's a solid trilogy there. Wow. This is the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> the Zodiac. <laughs> All right. So I guess uh, maybe. Maybe he's a son. Maybe. Uh, is Rose Peter's mother in Power of the Dog? Um, okay. All right. It appears who, to be. Who kills Phil in Power of the Dog? See, not just me. Yep. What is the biblical meaning of the Power of the Dog? Oh, I would need to have that quote again. Let's see. I'm going to click through to see if they give the quote. I've heard of a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> I just searched Koran. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Ooh. So this is a quote from Screen Rant, since I already clicked through. Referring to the idea that he is projected as a Christ-like figure, it could be concluded that Peter is the darling, as Christ was the darling of God, and that by the power of the dog's ending, Peter is freed from Phil's power. However, Christ was freed by sacrifice, not by murder. Jesus. People will shoehorn in a fucking (laughs) Jesus analogy to literally anything they can just because it just it's so amorphous that it will just fit anywhere. Yeah. There was a bad dude in this movie and someone killed him. That guy was Jesus. Fuck you. I mean, we all know that John Connor though in Terminator 2. John Connor was, was JC. Yeah, he was JC. There John. was no He was Con. JC. He fucking Literally. was. Just like visionary director James Cameron. Yeah, exactly. Visionary director. Who is Bronco Henry in The Power of the Dog? Yeah, who is Bronco Henry? He's a saddle. Uh, he, is, uh, <laughs> he is Phil's mentor and lover. And was like a, a bodybuilder? Like he had pictures of actual Bronco Henry in his grotto? Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I felt like that's what it said on the caption. That was the thing. Oh, maybe. maybe. All right. Uh, what is wrong with Rose in The Power of the Dog? Oh, so much. Yeah. I think her biggest problem is that she is a woman in the past. Yes, that's mm. problem number one. Mm-hmm. Yep. The second problem is that her son is a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, here's a good question. Can you explain the ending of The Power of the Dog? No. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you literally what happened. Uh, how violent is The Power of the Dog? Explicit bull castration scene. Mm-hmm. And some yep. man-on-horse slapping. Yeah, some simulated man-on-horse slapping. <laughs> right. <laughs> Simulated horse slaps. <laughs> Did Peter know the hide had anthrax? Who is asking that question? They've put most of the pieces together, 
but haven't worked out that last bit. Mm-hmm. Who is who is that? Tony, who is that? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> dmtalkies.com. All right. I don't. <laughs> it's. I think it's part of an expo- explanation of how did Phil die, but the mm. the specific thing that they're highlighting here is that uh, the animal was suffering from anthrax, and Peter knew about it. Um, do they harm animals in the movie? Kiss uh, some cows. Why did Phil burn the hides in the power of the dog? In you know, power that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I was a question I had too. No, do we not have an answer for that? I don't um, think I do. I couldn't I come up think, with an answer I don't think for I, I do either. Yeah. I just assumed it was general racism. Yeah, right. He didn't want other people to have them. Yeah. But I would assume he could sell them to other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He also, like when he's arguing with his brother about it, it seems like the brother should know why he needs them for burning. Like, is it the, uh, some sort of, like, tradition, some memorial? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think, that I don't think it is. That sequence was very confusing to me. Yeah. Because it seemed like a big deal, but no one knew why. Uh, Let's see. Next question. Why does Phil become nice to Peter? They wants to fuck him. Yeah, I think there's that scene where he's walking through the camp after having been on the ranch for a while, and the... He's just going to go look at some birds, and the way that the men are teasing him, I think, strikes a chord yeah. with Phil. Yeah, I he's think like, so, too. Oh, he's that much like me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, some of these questions start becoming less about this movie. Uh, I'm going to skip around. Uh, was the tiger in Life of Pi abused? <laughs> Wasn't that a CGI tiger? I believe it was. But is it any less wrong to abuse a CGI tiger? <laughs> how many very much less wrong? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ! How many dogs died in the making of Milo and Otis? Oh, that's a dark question. Oh, oh wow, Tony, what is, what is the answer? Number? Actually, uh, yeah, is it a non-zero number? Because if it is, I don't want to know the answer. I don't understand this. I don't think I've ever seen the movie, so I don't know if they're referring to the actual movie like the story in the film, or if this is things that happened while the movie was being shot. God, why am I Googling this? Death animal count is up to five drowned cats, four mauled cats, two cats pecked to death, one cat swallowed whole by a snake, three drowned dogs, two mauled dogs, and one quote-unquote pupsicle. Just this learned count doesn't Milo even allow a snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> this count doesn't even allow for outtakes, gruesome, gruesome outtakes. Outtakes. That's the gag reel. All <laughs> the gruesome deaths. <laughs> oh no! Oh my there's actually God. faces okay. of so death there's, seven. There's more stuff on here. The director killed a bunch of kittens and puppies during the shooting of the movie. Apparently, there was no concern for the safety of the animal when filming the stunts. Milo's mom actually was killed by that snake. They really threw a kitten off a hundred foot cliff. They actually fed Otis to that bear. Wow. What the entire fuck? According to Wikipedia, these are unconfirmed allegations. Oh. Wow. I believe Snow Snopes dispelled them. Oh, fuck, Tony. Why have you done this? Is like the fucking dead dogs <laughs> or a D&D campaign. <laughs> uh... I don't see wow. Snopes doing anything on this. 
the last question on the list. Are the dogs from Super Buddies alive? Mm. Super Buddies? What? What is that? Jesus, I need to stop this particular rabbit hole. We need to we need to get out of this. This is <laughs> this is worse. This is worse than uh, our D and D campaign because our D and D campaign is a D and D campaign and not actually about real animals that did not survive. Apparently, puppies died during in the making of Snow Buddies. Why Why have you done this, stuff, Tony? I don't know. I don't know. This This ended in a place that I did not expect it to. Wow. Whew. Oh, all right. It's dark. Well, I got nothing else to say after all that. Yeah, thanks, Tony. Thanks thanks for that. All right. Next week, the lighthearted Oscar <laughs> Romp. Batman. You know, the I Batman. <laughs> what you gave us was another positive about the power of the dog, is that they killed far fewer dogs. That's 100% true. Net zero dog deaths in the power of the dog, which I guess really is the power of the dog that they didn't die. Right. <laughs> Good job, Hollywood. We're going to make a grim and gritty, serious movie about toxic masculinity, hidden sexuality, murder, but no animal deaths. Unlike those children's movies where they killed many. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. Did y'all ever watch uh, like a horror movie? Or is what? that not your thing? Like a horror movie? I mean, we have. Yeah. Yeah. I, s- I started watching The Empty Man on HBO. Uh, I'm not familiar with that one. And it's from the last couple of years. And then, so I was watching a little bit. And so I went to look up where it was filmed, um, largely South Africa, but also Edwardsville and the Chain of Rocks Bridge. Uh, oh, wow. It, it's based on a graphic novel written by uh, Colin Bunn, who's like a local uh, comic mm-hmm. writer. So I was like, oh, weird. It's set in a fictional Missouri town. And I'm like, oh, that's strange. That's wild. It's not great. It's novel push by Sapphire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just throw that one out there as a possibility because of the local color. Mm. Uh, well, we've, we've, tried to, we've tried to do horror movies in the past, um, but what we've learned is that horror movies and comedies don't always translate well to uh, podcast conversation unless there's a like a super compelling discussion about like the meta of the story like um Cabin Babadook the what was what was the other one Cabin in the Woods Cabin oh, in the Woods Cabin was, the a, Woods. was a good because there was a there was a there was a whole meta conversation about it um the Babadook was good get out because, get out was really good mm-hmm. there was a but there's a lot more to talk about than just the the horror movie of it all mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and comedies work well. If we've got like a, lot a room full of about 10 people because everybody has enough of, Oh, remember that one time in the movie when this happened stories. Oh. Uh, I'm looking at you. I think it was, wasn't that forgetting Sarah Marshall that we did that with like 12 people in that little yep. bitty room in your old, your old mm-hmm. place, your old, old, old place. Yep. That was a good day. That was a good day. Splort. <laughs> so is your preference for movies that are good or for movies that are bad? I don't like watching bad movies. I don't like watching bad movies. Uh, I don't mind movies where we disagree. I, I prefer movies where we don't have perfectly aligned views on how we felt about the movie. Mm. Uh, I think it gives more interesting conversation. Mm. 
some of the earliest episodes of the podcast that David, when David joined, started with him saying, I did not like this movie and ended with, that movie wasn't so bad after all. <laughs> but I it can't was, remember. There was like one, uh, one shiny example where it's like, I didn't like the movie, but I really liked the discussion we had about, the, wait, was it Last Temptation of Christ? It may have been. Was it? That was uh, a good discussion. One of my favorite movies, Lost in Translation. We have never <laughs> done it because I hate it and refuse to watch it. That is <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. I know your feelings. I remember Bill liking the, the movie's work. It has been so long since I've seen it that I, I, I don't recall details of it. Sofia Coppola is dead to me. <laughs> uh, she was dead to a lot of people after Godfather 3. Mm. I don't care about that. <laughs> I didn't see any of those. Godfather? Have you seen any of the Godfather I've movies? I've seen zero Godfathers. There's Ooh. so many hours of Godfather. Mm-hmm. Godfather people... 1 and Godfather 2 are fantastic pieces of cinema. That's what people say. That and like, I feel like maybe I should say. just watch it. But then also I kind of like, but at this point. Yeah, you're, you're, you're ghostbustering. You're it. ghostbustering. <laughs> mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, if you ever decide that you're going to watch it and you see the Godfather saga as like this one four or five hour piece of cinema, what they do. So spoilers for the 50 year old and 48 year old movie at this point. Uh, Yeah. Um, (laughs) So the Godfather tells the story of Vito Corleone's last years and how he's setting up the family to go on in perpetuity. Godfather two tells the story of Michael Corleone, his son, who takes over after Vito's death. Also, the story of Vito Corleone, because Michael has to do something in in the second movie that he has to leave town. So he goes to Italy. He goes to Sicily. He leaves. And he's going to the lands that his his father came from. But they tell like a parallel story in the second movie of Vito's rise and Michael's exile and comeback. And like, it's, it's an amazing movie the way they do it. Hmm. The Godfather saga is a bastardization of those two wonderful movies where they decided, you know what people really need? They need young Vito's story first. We're going to make that the beginning of the movie. And then we're going to tell, Basically, the mm. whole Godfather one, and then we're going to tell Michael's story after that. They put it all in chronicle, chronological order. It's not a it. It does not translate. <laughs> it would be. It's like watching mm. Memento in the right order, or like when they want people to read Narnia books before Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'm like, no, that's yeah. the first book. Yeah. Yeah. Or people that watch the Star Wars movies one, two, three, four, five. Oh seven. no. Don't do that. <sighs> Don't do that. My my favorite is the I think they call it the the rogue the rogue version where you watch uh four and five, then two and three, whoa, then six. <laughs> you don't even watch you don't even watch uh Phantom Menace. There's in that version, there's only five movies. They just skip Phantom Menace altogether. But it it's it's really interesting because you get like Luke's story, 
Then you find out that Vader's his father. Then you get Vader's backstory. Then you end the, then you end the, the saga. It's like, it works. I thought you were talking about Star Trek movies. Oh. And you were like, you start with four and five. And I was like, <laughs> oh. So no. I really did like four, but it's fuck, fun. I don't know what I would start with four. No. Start with two. I don't even know if I would watch five. Well, I like, I like uh, gangster crime movies. Like, I liked Goodfellas quite a bit. Mm. And then I guess I later found out that My Blue Heaven is a sequel. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> they're both based on books that were mm-hmm. like the sequels. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm like, wow, well, I want to watch those back to back now. Yeah. Yeah. Godfather's one or um, Goodfellas is one of those movies that no matter, like if I'm flipping channels mm-hmm. and I see that it's on, or if I just look at the, the list and see that it's on anywhere, I will stop, start watching it from that point and finish mm-hmm. the movie just every time. Yeah. It's real fantastic. Ray Liotta's amazing in that movie. I saw him in a Broadway play, and he spit on my shoe. There's a lot of spit in his acting. Lucky you, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> Sell that shoe. I got Ray Liotta's spit here. Yeah, And the play was about like DNA testing. I'm like, oh, I got something. Right oh, that's... I'm ready. You had, the, you had the special seats then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was pretty close. <laughs> And it's fun to see him crop up in anything else too. Like, uh, that one with Seth Rogen, Observe and Report, uh, with the mall cop movie. Really I don't know that I've seen that one. Oh, it's from Jody Hill. And, okay. Um, you know, it's got that style of like Foot Fist Way or Eastbound and Down. But yep. it's a movie, it's a mall cop movie. It came out the same summer as Paul Blart's mall cop. So I think oh, there's some, well, like, there you go. confusion as that stuff happens. But yeah. I, oh, Jesse Plemons is in it too. Uh, really? Have you watched, speaking of Jody Hill, have you watched any of uh, uh, The Righteous Gemstones? I did. I've watched all of that. Whew. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. I just love You could how... tell, like you could, like you could see how Danny McBride just informs mm-hmm. the performances of so many people. Like mm-hmm. just the way they deliver lines. It's like, yeah, you could say like, He's directing that sequence. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I love for how confident they are when doing the wrong things. Yes. <laughs> yep. And I love, like, it's Danny McBride. Like, his word choice is just wrong. Like, it's not so, totally wrong. It's just a little wrong. And like, it's like you said, like, everyone then does it. And I just, I mean, that's great, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I I feel like I was late to the game discovering Danny McBride, but like, like I'll, I'll watch anything with him in it too, just cause he's mm-hmm. just so over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cracks and he's the dad in the Mitchells versus the machines. Mm-hmm. So Paul, which yeah. is also fantastic. He is. He is also Paul. It's a shame. It's going to lose to Encanto. Yeah. Or one of the all other Disney movies nominated. Uh, not the oh, only yeah, other that... ones flee. Yeah, that refugee movie. That's a documentary. It's an yeah, yeah. I've heard it's fantastic, though. I've mm-hmm. I've not seen it, but I've people that like people that I know personally that have seen it uh, have said it's it's wonderful. I watched the trailer. It did look like a bummer, which isn't. Oh, sorry, which isn't. I, I'm not out. Yeah, that's a, a a good documentary a can be that and be successful. They usually are. Yeah, I just watched the uh, my octopus teacher documentary. 
I have not seen Netflix. that. How was I'm really that? into octopuses right now. I saw you said that. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was some great footage of an octopus. It, honestly, like he acts like he's visiting the same octopus all year, but there's no way it's the same octopus. They all look alike. <laughs> well, I mean, they can change their color and all this sort of stuff. Like that's got to they. That's going to be like a dozen octopuses. So when is this? Uh, when is this octopus uh, fascination going to flow over into the octomom? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I recently wrote a book about octopi. Uh, oh, God damn it! It was book two of uh, chill. It was called Children of Ruin. Hmm. Hmm. The the first book is called Children of Time. Children of Time is about uh, sentient spiders, oh. and Children of Ruin is about sentient octopuses. Really nice. I, I am not certain on the plural of this animal. Neither is the book. Okay. I always used octopodes. I Whoa. have no idea if that's right. I well, probably not, but I like me, the sound of it. Let me know how many octopuses. <laughs> that's a lot of pussies. No. It. But I'd seen like a, a TED talk of a dude and it, they just showed like how awesome their camouflage is. And like, I would, I rewatch it. I'm like, man, I even know where it is and I can't find it. Right. Like, it, this is amazing. And then I'd listen to that a podcast, like a two hour podcast. This is a marine biologist, all deep dive into octopus lore. And I'm just like, all right, I'm going to have to watch this movie now. Did it touch on like the way their brains work? Cause mm-hmm. there's like some wild shit that happens in their brains. That yeah. like their limbs also move independent of the brain, but like in mm-hmm. some sort of weird symbiosis with the brain. Yeah, they've got a brain in each uh, arm, each tentacle, and then hmm. uh, and then their central brain. So it's like nine total brains. And like you know, there's that thing that happens with people where we used to like for like epilepsy, we would cut the connection between left and right. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes when that happens, callosum. That's the one. Um, people would have like individual consciousnesses on each side that usually work together, but like they might diverge once you, you cut that bit. And so we're probably a gestalt of like two big things. So this oct- octopus has nine brains that are cross wired and in a ridiculous fashion and a whole bunch of neurology on its body. So they're wild that we diverged from them like 700 million years ago. Our, our common ancestor is a flatworm. So the way they do everything is drastically different than the way we do things. Mm. Sorry. I've gotten really into octopuses. I will talk <laughs> a lot more about them if you like. So according to Marion Webster, oh, the, there are three different accepted pluralizations of octopus. It's octopuses, okay. octopi, uh-huh. and the word that I always said was octopodes which is one of the accepted words, except that apparently I've been pronouncing it wrong. And they're saying the pronunciation more appropriately rhymes with the phrase, don't say please. So it would be octopedes. Oh, but it's in looking at the spelled word, I would have pronounced it octopodes Uh when I first read it. And that's probably where I picked it up at some point. Interesting. All right, so the only one that isn't is octopuses. Got it. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. The day after International Women's Day? <laughs> <laughs> I used that a lot this evening during King's Dilemma, Tony. Mm-hmm. Nice. 
Oh, you guys played tonight? Yeah, we had to reschedule, uh, and so we had to we're trying to cram it in before nine. Then we got two iterations. Yep, almost done. Mm-hmm. Oh, How is the game it? going? It's good. It's fun. I like it. Swimmingly. I like it a lot. Is it uh, is it legacy in the same way that like it permanently alters the game, so you have to buy it new for another iteration of it? Oh, mm-hmm. get your tail out of my water. I mean, I think you could. Oh, the, you'd have to. No, the stickers is the only problem. If you could buy a sticker set, then you could reset it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but other than that, I, I don't think we've changed much in like any rules. Right, the only thing that sort of changes is like people get like permanent benefits, and some people mm-hmm. get like temporary benefits, right? And that's yeah, really yeah. kind of been it, right? Yeah. There hasn't it's been also like kind a... of fluid. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you probably don't want to change things too drastically early mid game, just because unless you're very confident of game balance, mm. you don't want to you don't want to break your the rest of the game. Yeah, the thing is that. Uh... So there's like uh, a bunch of story cards in envelopes. Mm. And so as we progress through story cards and make decisions, they have us open other hidden envelopes. Mm-hmm. So uh, at this point in the game, we don't know what the end game scoring is. Oh. So we have no idea what to... What to focus on? What mm-hmm. to prioritize. That's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. It's kind of interesting. I don't know. I have some complaints about... Like, the game has no catch-up mechanic. So, well, like, Anna is currently dominant. So, basically, the game is a is an economy of power, right? Okay. Where we get a card that has some, sort, some story shit on it, and then it asks us a question at the end, and all we do as a group is vote yes or no. That's the only thing we ever do. All right. And then to vote yes or no, you put power in on I or nay, right? So, like, that's that's the core mechanic of the game. And then, like, you can bribe people, and then sometimes you have to, like, there's, like, a whole leader and moderator mechanic. But, like, that's that's basically it. Well, Anna set itself herself up, so she gets, like, a million power at the beginning of the game, like, almost double what everyone else gets. Wow. So I'm not really even sure how she (laughs) managed it. Yeah. But like, when you look at like how many people have like won, Uh I don't think that Anna has won a disproportionate amount of the No, it's no, it's the same. And like, I've had the most prestige for a long time because now I don't get a choice in like what my goals are. (laughs) I get the leftover goal. Oh, wow. And it's been that way for as long as I can remember. (laughs) So I feel like that's the attempt at a mechanic. Yes, because I always pick first and never get any prestige. (laughs) Hmm. I never get points for picking my goal. I'm telling you, like, I think you're doing it wrong. You should just pick one at random. Or pick the opposite of what you think is good. (laughs) I'm just going to do it because I think I've finished all my, uh, I finished all my goals. Mm. For whatever's, so I'm just gonna pick one at random next time. I'm working for you, so. Well, I guess too, and I don't know what people have on their cards, but it seems like the leftover one I'm getting is the one that gives crave crowns instead of prestige crowns. And so maybe people are interpreting those as bads, or those are the bad ones. But I always keep getting them, mm-hmm. so I don't know if that is like why. Mm. 
these are the easy to easy to get points in cards. So that's why you have to take Crave because I've never had one of the good calls. <laughs> the good ones. Good ones. Mm-hmm. That's been fun. Yep. I feel like when I did um, Pandemic Legacy, that it had some very drastic rule changes with it mm-hmm. of yep. adding like whole new mechanics and changing the way things worked. Yeah, this one played, subtle. Yeah, when we played Risk Legacy, mm-hmm. there were mechanics changes and board changes. <laughs> Many changes. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a Harry to Christ our understanding. Yeah. Well, and to our understanding, because the couple of times it was played, the mechanics changed in different ways. Like the the packs you open and the, the things mm-hmm. that happen are randomized between boxes. Ooh. So you don't like the same circumstances could happen in two different games, but because the boxes had different things that happened when you opened the envelope, it the rules changed in different ways. So it really was different. I felt like in, in Gloomhaven, like if you open a new character, that's going to have different mechanics for that character. Mm-hmm. And then like there might, depending on which mission you do, there's different like win conditions. But like essentially the game plays the same. Like you move, you fight. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, but the state of the world, I guess, changes, which changes like what is available to you and what shops and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, Kingdom of Death doesn't work exactly like that because a lot of uh like your settlement gets certain unlocks and changes. Uh but like your people are expendable, so you end up like a lot of that comes around from gear, which you can just move around. And then they get like uh, various disorders from their adventuring. I did not enjoy my experience playing Kingdom Death. <laughs> I like the... I can I can understand why people would, but it was just not for me. I I don't tend to enjoy games that are predicated on you're always losing. Oh. You're you're always like there. You're the end game condition is that everybody has lost, and then you're going on to the next game where you know that everybody will lose. Like everybody's gonna die. Mm. That that's gonna happen. That's a mechanic of the game, and that's you don't have to die. You don't have to die, but it's not. The it didn't seem like challenging. Was, yeah, that it didn't seem like you were. There, there was many opportunities to stay alive, mm-hmm. game over game, and and for me that I I just don't prefer to play games like that. I don't mind if everybody dying is a potential condition of the game. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I don't mind that at all, but I don't like it that everyone will die. It's the same reason I don't really care for like Lovecraftian anything. Like that whole everybody's going to die and end in madness, and like that's just not yeah. That's just not for me. I felt like Gloomhaven did a lot of balancing so that we mostly succeeded, but sometimes at great cost uh, mm-hmm. on any given mission. It was always a squeaker. Like w- we never were confident that we were going to make it. Yeah. And then when we lost, like there's, you know, stuff that sort of like rebalances so that like after doing another mission, we can go back to the one we lost and try again. Mm. I don't know that we've lost one twice. Oh. Yeah. Well, we've like replayed a mission, both because we know what's coming and we can like arrange our equipment a little better. Yeah. And because we might have like 
change some stuff by going on another, another path and then coming back to it. Yeah. Like the, a, a game that I'm thinking of is um, uh, I've got uh walking dead risk mm. and it's like, it's got this mechanic that anytime you kill a person, there is the potential that they can turn into a walker, which then you have to do something about that walker. Like, mm-hmm. um, like let's say I'm attacking you. I've got, four armies you've got three and i'm attacking if i lose any thing as an attacker i potentially can lose my zone if you have as a defender killed my attackers and then those attackers turn into zombies who kill my the rest of my attackers like it can happen it can literally happen that way um so like you're really playing this balancing of act of do I really want to attack this other guy? Because like I have the potential of losing my position. Like in, in regular risk, your losses, you can lose all your armies, mm-hmm. but you still hold the position you have. No, you can literally lose your own position from a point of attacking. Yikes. And then those positions become zombie positions in the game. And like more zombies come out every few rounds. Like <laughs> it is a brutal game. But you can win. It's not easy, but to, you can win. Now I have to download Gloomhaven. <laughs> oh, you're gonna get the digital version. Yeah, well I've already I already own it. Oh nice. I'm yeah, I think I, I think I have it. Well, you know, I'm getting ready to move. I think after that I might be ready to like try to start it. I'll have space to play it. Right. Nice. Transporting it is kind of a, a rough thing then. Are you gonna Gloomhaven get game? The Sultan? One of the gaming tables. Oh man, I I do so want to game table. I've looked at a handful of them. They are expensive, but they look great. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what I looked at. The Jasper was one I saw. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. Wormwood I, I told, has one. Yeah. I told I told my brother Doug about these gaming tables and like how much they're charging for them. He's a he's a union carpenter, and he looked at it. He's like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that's crazy." Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are so pricey, but also they look really great. Yeah, they're beautiful. Beautiful tables. Mm-hmm. Just watching a video of it now. <laughs> Which one has got the Sultan? I'm looking at the Wormwood right now. Oh, no. The that wheels. Oh. Where you can raise and lower it. Mm-hmm. It's yep. got the magnetic rails to put on your attachments like cup holders mm-hmm. or dice mm-hmm. holders. Yeah, those are nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fanciest thing I've got is my level up where I can have a board above the table like about six inches. So like it's all these click together panels and you can just build a board above your table. We've had a few incidences at parties where somebody knocks a drink over onto a brand new game. Right. So, is this table only fifteen hundred? No, that's your deposit to get them to talk to you about building you a table. Oh, that's just a t- oh, that's just a topper. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. just the thing that sits on top of the table. Yeah, yep, that sounds right. Mm. That's to get their phone number. Well, that's that's to get them to actually call you back. Mm-hmm. No, it's only a thousand for the furniture deposit. There, there it is. Yeah. Oh, that's all. My guess, it's a. I don't know, twelve, fifteen thousand. Fifteen thousand. Holy shit! I mean, it looks ridiculous the amount of stuff that it has, and when you consider what other gaming tables cost and how this place is like, 
Mm-hmm. We're the Lux gaming table. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I see what you're going to yeah. charge. I'd rather drive a car. <laughs> or pay for the, the gas one. for that car. <laughs> right. Or anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad we're getting out of the winter season because it'd get a whole lot more expensive to let my car warm up in the driveway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that remote start would get real expensive. I'd still do it. <laughs> but it'd just be pricier. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all I got, guys. Yep. <laughs> that's good. All right, let's wrap this up. All right, next week we will talk about the Batman. Yeah.